You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Some stuff going on today, so I'd love to hear some of his perspective. I'm also curious to see how much he would kill to be a M- uh, MLB player now compared to back then. Well, yeah, I mean, we're just looking at his salaries according to uh, baseballreference.com, and it says he maxed out at $29,000 a year. I'm like, he probably had to get a job in the off season. Oh, I, I think most of them did. I think most of them, kind of like us, we have like 20 jobs. Exactly, exactly. I wonder if he did any freelance writing like we do. <laughs> probably. And then at 6.30, we have the Arizona Daily Star beat guy for football and baseball, Michael Lev. He's a frequent guest here. He's coming off his little uh, th- uh, furlough. So he's probably suntan and he's well rested and all that. Well, I hope he's got more more tan than the picture we ran of him in our graphic today because he was blending into the white background quite a bit. <laughs> we'll check out with him. <laughs> but that's good. A lot of things going on sports-wise, baseball, basketball, with decisions to be made. Well, for an instant, it looked like baseball might be coming back relatively soon, but now it's it's about money, and that's what it's going to be again. You know, the baseball, uh, the owners are going to make a proposal to, uh, made to the players about coming back, maybe playing 80 games starting in, in July. But it, it's got a revenue split issue, and, and the baseball players have just never gone for that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. This is hypothetical. I hate hypotheticals, but I'm going to give you one anyway. So the Diamondbacks play the Dodgers in late July. Uh, you're given four tickets to go watch them. Are you going to go? I, I know it's not going to happen, but... Would you go? Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm. You know. I. I would have to wait. And, I'd have to wait and see right, how things right. are at that time. Would Every, I? Would I commit today to go? No, I would not. Exactly. Don't you think everybody's like right, that? Wait right. and see. But it, it sounds like it's gonna. They're gonna play without fans for a while. Right. right. Until they. Until they have some better. Uh, better systems in place. But uh, again, if baseball starts and we got something to watch, I'm. Uh, I'm all for that. Right. Right. And I think I asked you this last week about the Korean baseball thing, whether you see it or not. But don't you have to have some kind of like skin? the game or some kind of interest rather than just watching a game? Well, of course we do. That's why. We, that's why well, they, we watch. We, we, yeah, that's exactly. But you know, at this point, I'll watch just to watch. <laughs> you know, just give me a sport to watch. That's all. I, that's all I want. I think that's what everybody wants. Yeah. Uh, and if more power to you, if you have your own team playing, you're definitely going to watch. Exactly. And I, I think you know this may be a time where. Since people have missed it so much, people might be more inclined to they start following it hard again. I watch a lot of baseball, uh, you know, normally, but I know that I could probably sit there and watch baseball all day right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, they can put games on all day, and I'll watch them all. Right. And I'll either have I'll probably have them on. I keep I I keep a TV near it's like near my football. desk in my home office, and I just I'll just have it on. It's like college football. I'm sure you have like three or four. I'll, I watch college football. From start to finish, right. I, I get up at nine. Actually, before that, I watch game day, and I'm, I've got college football all day. Yeah. Did you see the NFL might uh, push back the first month and then attach it to the end of the season? Again, I you know they they obviously have a you know when when you're so talking football, they've got fewer games room. that they've got to make their money, so they're obviously not going to be inclined to you know not play not play games um so I, I could see them doing that and they could push back you know into february and you know have a super bowl in early march i, I wouldn't have a problem with that yeah 
It's longer, more football for you. More football for us, exactly. And who yeah. knows what the heck's going to happen on the college side. So, um, I don't know. I, you know, again, anything that gets the games going in a safe and responsible way, I'm all for it. Mr. Tom, I know you're connected with hockey. We saw today that the Roadrunner season is finally over. It is. It we, is. In fact, we're going to have Mr. Hoffman in the, uh, on the show tomorrow. But uh, what does that mean to you? Not a shock, I'm, sh- I'm sure. Not really. Uh, I don't think any minor league calling it a, a season uh, is going to be a surprise to me. But uh, the American Hockey League, for those who don't know, is the top development league of the NHL. And many of the NHL teams own their teams. In this case, Roadrunners are owned by the uh, Arizona Coyotes. What it means to me, Steve, is that operationally, for a lot of the smaller budget, smaller market leagues and or teams out there, it's just not feasible to try to make things happen. And also from a safety standpoint, that was something the AHL kind of highlighted in their release. It's important to them uh, from the safety angle. So that has to beg the question for me to the major leagues, how much of a safety guarantee can you make? And I know that's a loaded question because you can't guarantee anything. No. You never know. But... About the only thing you can guarantee is if you're testing everybody every day, if someone gets it, you'll just catch it right away. But yeah. that doesn't mean you're going to prevent the spread. Right, right. No question. And it's whether the teams, I don't know whatever proposal it is now, we're probably on the 10th version of them. Would you kind of quarantine, not quarantine, but you live in a hotel in a secluded area of Vegas, Phoenix, whatever, for three, four months without your family? I can't see that anybody wants to right, do that. Right, exactly. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what uh, how this all flushes and out. And that anybody's wife wants them to do that. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, happy wife, happy life. Right, right. Exactly. Good luck with that. Exactly. Good luck with that. So there's a lot of, man, man. A lot of stuff going on. We've got got some interesting stuff going on over with Duke and there's, right, a, there's a right. lawsuit involving Zion Williamson and there, you've got a law firm that uh, is on the opposite side of Zion that looks like they just want to expose Duke for all for everything that they can so there's there's a, it's, it's kind of a complicated thing but you know, Zion is is, is sued uh, an, a, an agency that he signed up with decided he didn't want that agency and so he he uh, signed up with another agency and now the one that he originally signed with is suing him for breach of contract but out of that they're going to be doing some depositions and one of the things that the that the uh the team that the agency is trying to prove is that that uh zion was uh, taking money and so we're going to see what happens there in in tucson you know this was a collective i told you they were cheating <laughs> i knew it all the time and dickie v uh, That's what you get. I, you know, I, boy, you start getting lawyers involved on stuff like that, and anything can happen. And that's exactly what's going on over there. So it'll be interesting to see that one too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of craziness. I have a legit question about this. Is there any, and I don't know the answer, is there any counsel at all provided to these kids about when it does become time to choose an agent or anything like that? Do they just have to figure it out themselves, or do colleges help them? No, they Out. they help. They get a lot of education in college, and uh, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into getting an agent. So they provide a lot of information. I I remember hearing you know a number of players talk about you know the kind of information they get. Plus, you know you get family members too who also you know they should go out and 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 seek counsel from people who do this. There's enough people floating around right now right. that you can get information and you can find out the right way to do things. And you know for the most part, people uh, players. Uh, 
uh, in all the sports, they get good counsel, but there are times when they don't, and they do dumb things, and we've heard those, some of the horror stories, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the colleges do provide them information on you know, how to get an agent, you know, how to, how to uh, identify an unscrupulous agent, those kinds of things. Great, great stuff. We'll take a break here real quick here on 1030 The Voice. Come back with Eddie Leone. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm Steve Rivera along with Jay Gonzalez. And now on the phone we have Eddie Leone, former U of A player, former Major League Baseball player. How are you, Eddie? I'm fine, thank you. Eddie, how's it going? This is Jay Gonzalez. Uh, Things going well over there? Yep. Working from home like the rest of us? Well, actually, I'm pretty much retired now, but yeah, I'm I'm at home and I'm not able to do too much. Can't go out to... Now you're making me feel old telling me that you're retired. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should I should go go full disclosure here and let everybody know that uh, down the road Eddie and I are sort of going to be relatives as uh, his his niece uh, Aubrey Romero is going to be marrying my son Adam Gonzalez. So um, you know we'll be a couple of families that have been in the middle of a lot of things in this town are going to be coming together. But I uh, want to let everybody know that so that when these softball questions come to them, they know that they know why. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I'm looking forward to, to their to so, wedding. So it's it's been an interesting day. So let, let's first jump into baseball. You know, going on today, there was a a report out today that uh, Major League Baseball want, is proposing to uh, to the players to that they're going. We want to start the season in uh, around July fourth and play eighty games. Of uh, you know, look doing doing my research. You you were you were in the major leagues during a time of a very short strike uh, where the season got interrupted. Um, you know how, you know, how, how do you remember handling that when all of a sudden you didn't have baseball? Well, like you mentioned, it was very short, so it didn't affect us very, very badly. But uh, uh, we were—I was with the Indians. We were in uh, New Orleans actually for an exhibition series against the Cubs, and we played the first game, and then the second game got called off because our representative came into the clubhouse and said hey you know we, we've just struck we're on we're on strike now and so now what well, the question is what do we do we don't know that the, the major league teams decided they were just going to leave everybody wherever they were so we had to send for ourselves out of new orleans and uh, i guess uh right right about that time it wasn't too bad a place to be stranded i guess we <laughs> stayed there for about three or four days and then we had to make a decision do we fly on our own back home to tucson or do we go to cleveland and we I was with uh, my roommate at the time was Greg Nettles, and he and I were together. And so we said, uh, "Why don't we just go up to Cleveland? Hopefully, this is not going to last very long." And it didn't. And it was it was only a few days. How's that for a name so drop? We How's that for a name yeah. drop? Oh, my roommate, that Greg Nettles. I hate that guy. Okay, he was a Yankee, and he he almost single handedly beat the Dodgers in seventy seven and seventy eight. So I hate that yeah, guy. Yeah, he had a good he had a good series. He he, he caught everything in sight. He did. Yeah, no. How often do you go back and, you know, we've been friends for a while now and think about those good old days to someone like me and then like Jay probably who wished to be like you for a summer or two? Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've been fortunate because I live very close to Mike Paul, who was a teammate of mine at the university and at the, at the, uh, at the Cleveland Indians. And we also in the same subdivision, I, we just, uh, I just finished, uh, together with another guy, a home for Terry Francona. And so the three of us have been walking in the morning for a couple miles up and down the, the roads here at our, our subdivision just to, 
just to get some exercise. So we reminisce a lot about baseball. I mean, we, we go all the way back to when we were playing in college and when Terry played in college, and and we talk about the, all of his uh, World Series and a bunch, a, bunch of, a bunch of baseball. He keeps us up to date as to what's happening with baseball today. Uh, and he's been telling us that he thinks it's going to happen sometime around the first week in July that they're going to open up the season. So, so as, as you've you know been in Tucson, you've been you know getting old like the rest of us. You know what what kind of a baseball fan are you? You know, are you a fan of a team? Are you do you just watch baseball? Um, you know, did you like the Indians growing up, and, and that's where you wound up initially? You know, what kind of a fan are you? Well, I'm a big baseball fan. I, I try to stay in touch with as many teams as I can. Obviously, the university baseball team, I I watch quite a bit. Um, but with the Indians, yes, I was a uh, I was a uh, Indians fan growing up because they trained here in Tucson, and my my mother loved baseball and she loved uh, uh, Bob Feller. So we used to go watch spring training games when they were around. So I grew up a Cleveland Indians fan. And uh, more recently, just because I played with Cleveland, but also because Terry is a good friend of mine and he's now the manager of the Indians. So I follow the Indians pretty religiously and I have the MLB package. So I watch all of their games. I, I always send him my critique of what he did right. And what he did. <laughs> How does that go? And, uh, <laughs> no, he doesn't pay much attention. <laughs> he's never offered to bring you on staff or anything, right? No, I, I, I he had a, it was funny. He was uh planning on being at a, at a wedding during the season when the, when the Dodgers were, were uh, where the Indians were going to be playing the Dodgers in L.A. And I said, hey, look, man, if you need some help, I could, I could run over there for a couple of days and handle down them and, and, and try to do the managing for you. He said, well, probably just do as well as I could against the Dodgers, he said. <laughs> right, right. That, that, that's fun. So, yeah. No, yeah, we all grew up here with the Indians in, in spring training. I I was a Dodger fan just because I listened to the Dodgers on the radio. So, um, you know, that was my deal with, with, you know, Vince Scully and the games like that. But, uh, you know, I, I do know a lot of people here were Indians fans because they got to see them. So that that must have been something for you to, to see. Did, now, I know, now, I know you got drafted a bunch of times. Were you waiting to get drafted by the Indians, or did it just – it happened to happen that way. Well, it was just luck of the draw, I guess, because uh, my sophomore year in college, I was I was the number one draft choice of the Minnesota Twins in the very, very first draft that ever took place. And uh, the, the the Twins were historically very cheap, and they didn't uh, didn't offer me much at all for their number one draft choice. So I I um, I didn't sign, and and and, and coincidentally. Greg Nettles was the number two draft choice of the Twins, and, and he did sign. I always accused him later on of taking my money. <laughs> uh, but um, I came back to school my junior year. Again, I was the, the number one draft choice of the, the Cubs, and I was very, very close to signing, but we at the last minute we kind of fell apart a little bit. So I decided to come back and, and try to finish school and get a degree. And it so happened that the, that the Indians drafted me after my senior year, and uh, and I was glad one because it was the Indians and two because they were not uh, very strong up the middle and and I knew that I could uh, if I did anything at all I was going to be in the big leagues fairly quickly and, and I only spent about a year in in, in Triple A ball and then I was in the, in the big leagues the following year. You had a great great uh, time I'm sure. I always ask these uh, former players uh, now that you're older how much do you miss competing even at that level or maybe just a little below because competitors love to compete. Well, I, yeah, obviously that's 
that's uh, you have to want to compete if you're going to make it to the top level of, of professional sports. Uh, I, I don't really miss it because I've been gone from baseball for so long. I, I do the competition now in golf and other things, but but yeah, you have to be a, a good competitor and you, you have to want to compete against the other guys and the other teams if you're going to be successful in professional any any professional sport. Mm-hmm. So, Sweaty, what, uh, you know, um, and again, I don't, I don't want to make light of this, but you know, we were the the website. I was checking up on your stats and stuff. It it also had your salaries and stuff like that. So you <laughs> you obviously just, you kind of missed the boat a little bit on that. But but how did baseball set you up for you know for the su- success you've had business wise? I mean, you know, was it was there money that it helped you with, or did you just you know make a living and you 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 you've done well because you got a college degree and all that type of stuff? But how how did how did baseball help you become the the business person that you became well obviously uh like you like you mentioned i didn't i didn't make a big salary and uh, no, nobody did back then uh but with my bonus i bought my first house which, so that helped quite a bit uh and and as you mentioned I, I got a degree in civil engineering so when i was uh leaving baseball my last year i was offered a, a, a chance to, to be a manager uh, but at, back then, I think they were paying like ten thousand dollars a year for the season to their minor league managers. I said, "Hey, I can go back to Tucson and uh, make more money as an engineer than I can as a, as a baseball manager." So I, I never pursued that. But 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 you know the competitiveness, the camaraderie with uh, with with your teammates, and 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 just uh, knowing uh, uh, what you have to do, and, and obviously succeeding sometimes and failing a lot of times i mean it sets you up the life after baseball i'm curious because you you uh, played at the time when i was kind of a kid i'm sure jay was around that time too who are the two best players maybe you played with and played against oh boy that's a hard one because i played against a lot of great players uh, a guy just died recently al Kaline. i thought he oh, wow. was a great great player wow uh, of course, my idol was Mickey Mantle. I got a chance to play against him in '68 when I was called up at the, at the end of the year. It was um, that was the year that um, he had hurt his many times had hurt his leg, but that was that was the last year that he was playing, and and he was playing first base. And so I went uh, into uh, Yankee Stadium with the Indians, and I got a chance to pinch run for a guy in late in the in, in the game, and Mantle was a first base first baseman and they introduced me you know he's making his major league debut and so he congratulated me and they congratulations hope you have a good year and and so i'm there talking to my idol at first base in yankee stadium and the third base guy over there saying steal second base and i said no no i'm staying right here (laughs) this guy here (laughs) i missed the sign coach i'm sorry that's a great story that's funny that's funny what about played with uh, with uh, played with a lot of great players, uh, uh, Munson when I was with the Yankees, Ter Thurman Munson, obviously Catfish Hunter, Gaylord Perry was a great player. Uh, um, one of the guys that uh, doesn't get as much notoriety that I thought was as good as anybody was um, Dick Allen when I played with the White Sox. He was our first baseman. He was he's a tremendous player. Sounds. Uh, so I, I, so I remember I, that I, guy. I, I, I played with and against a lot of great players. 
So we've only got a couple of minutes, uh, Eddie, but I, let me ask you a little bit about baseball here in Tucson now. I know you were a part of uh, when when the the spring training kind of hit its heyday here with, with three teams. We got three teams in, and now they're all gone. And I know that when uh, recently when baseball started talking about playing games in, in Arizona, we were, you know, we in Tucson were trying to get our foot in the door to maybe get some of those games down here. What do you see as the, the future of Major League Baseball in Tucson, whether it's spring training or, or – anything like that. Where, got, where are we? We've got about a minute. Yeah, I, I don't think it's possible, uh, guys. I really don't. Uh, the, 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 the major league teams want to stay in one location in Phoenix, and the other ones in Florida don't want to move here. They, they're, uh, they're entrenched here. So I don't see major league baseball coming here other than for exhibitions, like maybe the uh, the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks come out and play here for during spring training for a couple exhibition games. That's about the most I can see. What about minor league baseball? Any thoughts? Well, yeah, minor league baseball. If if they had held spring training in Arizona for all teams, we had a chance to be able to showcase Tucson to some of the Florida teams and and maybe get them a little bit uh, uh, able to see their way to put a triple A AAA or a double A team here in Tucson. So that that's a possibility. Eddie, thanks for joining us. Hey, tell Terry we want him on our show. Tell him we're easy. We'll be easy on him. <laughs> Okay, I will. Hey, Eddie, know. thanks we'll a whole bunch. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. Say hey to the family. That was okay, Eddie Leon. Thank you very much. Eddie Leon, mm-hmm. former Major League player and UA player. We'll come back here on 1030 The Voice. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. Your host, Steve Rivera, along with my co-host, Jay Gonzalez. Now on the phone, we have the Arizona Daily Star's Michael Lev. Michael, how are you? Hey, guys. How I'm was, all right. How, how was you? your fine? Thank you. How was your furlough? Did you get a nice tan? Did you enjoy your time off? Oh, that's a nice tan. <laughs> I never have a nice tan. I'm like way too pale to ever get a decent tan. Um, you know, worked on some household projects, kind of you know disconnected from the digital world um, a little bit for a week. You know, as I might if I were on vacation. Um, so it was it was all right. You know. It's, no one wants to have this happen to them, but um, we're just sort of hopeful at our company that, you know, whatever we have to go through right now is the worst of it and that things are going to get better. We had Jay John later. We had Jay John uh, last week uh, on the show. Man, does he make your job easier? A good quote, a lot of good information. Jay Johnson? Yes. <laughs> he's, he's terrific. Um, and he's one of those guys, I would say, who just, he gets it. You know, he, he understands um, what you need and he provides you with that information without like being, you know, living with cliches either. It's, it's usually good um, information. You ask him about any, any specific player and he'll tell you all of the details of what um, they've been working on. Um, and there aren't a lot of platitudes in there. It's, it's all um, specific to that player his situation, um, whether it's on the field, off the field. So, yeah, Jay's one of the good ones. I really appreciate him a lot uh, as far as how he interacts with the media. Michael, he seemed pretty excited about his team and, you know, obviously disappointed as to, you know, how things ended. But he's, he, you can tell he's really looking forward to next year with his with his recruiting class and, and that type of thing. But, you know, what, what were you seeing out there? And where were they, you know, making a, you know, different from what you had seen, you know, previous seasons? Yeah, well, the the whole narrative coming into the season was about the pitching staff, which really backed with uh, in 2019 
you know, they had one of the worst staffs in the Pac-12, really one of the worst in the nation. The team ERA over six, like uh, walk to the uh, walks per nine were over five. I mean, just not the kind of numbers that you want to have, not the kind of numbers um, that any winning team would have. So uh, they hired Nate Yeske, uh, the, the renowned you know, pitching coach from Oregon State, and he really seemed to be making a difference. I mean, the pitching uh, was improved, and, and albeit in a small sample size. They hadn't started Pac-12 play. Um, the hitting wasn't quite up to the same standard as, as last year, but seemed like it was you know, trending in that direction. Um, I don't think we saw enough of the team to really draw any conclusions. Um, I don't feel like they put it all together for a sustained stretch, but I feel like they had the potential to do that. And I think they would have been a tournament team this year, um, you know, which would have been their first berth since the 2017 season. Um, unfortunately, we'll, we'll never get to find out. Uh, as far as next year goes, Jay really likes this this next recruiting class. Um, I think that he's going to you know end up landing a lot more of those guys than he might have in a normal year because the MLB draft is being reduced from 40 rounds to five. So a lot of those kind of in-between guys are, aren't going to be picked and they're going to end up going to school. And I guess Baseball America came out with a you know, an ex- never too early top 25 for next year, and they had the Wildcats at number 13 in the nation. So that should give you, you know, some idea of where this program is headed. Can you talk about the contrast between uh, covering football to baseball? Probably uh, just a more enjoyable day for you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> baseball is just it's it's more open, frankly. Um, it's a little bit more relaxed, I think. You know, I think they they feel like that program probably needs media coverage more so than football does. Although you could probably argue at this point that Arizona's football program specifically um, does need a little bit more media coverage or at least positive uh, media coverage. So I think that affects things. Um, but uh, in general, like baseball is just a more relaxed atmosphere. Um, not that they don't take things seriously, but it doesn't feel quite as serious as football does when you're around it. Um, I don't know if this is like an internal thing with me, but I just sort of feel like a lot of pressure associated with the football beat, whether it's the, the late games, trying to hit those on deadline, or you know, you know, you, you know that you have these limited media opportunities, so you, you kind of put pressure on yourself to make sure that you get everything right. So I don't know, those are some of the differences to me uh, there's more access with baseball. It feels a little bit more relaxed, and and also just the the, the fact that there are you know are 56 games versus 12. I think there's just less of that day to day pressure that you feel when you're around the football program. So so just give us an, a rundown. We you know what's happening around the football program right now. You know we're starting to see uh, you know uh, commitments and stuff like that. But just is there just kind of uh, is it just kind of dead there's not a lot lot going on every you know they can't be on, on campus i mean what uh what's going on over there yeah it's a difficult situation obviously for everybody um this is normally you know a time when you know you'd be having spring football practices you'd be you know to maybe starting up uh, off-season conditioning soon um recruiting would 
this would be a very active time for recruiting, the way they've changed the, the calendar to, to make the spring a period when you could take official visits. So none of that stuff's happening. And they're trying to, uh, you know, sort of reinvent themselves with a version of online football, you know, similar to the way the students are taking online classes. And they're doing the best they can with that. You know, they're having meetings on a pretty regular basis. Um, I think they're able to do, you know, some version of, you know, um, schematic installation uh, on via these Zoom meetings. They did land a couple of commitments, which was a good sign. You know, they were the last school in the nation um, to, to land one for 2021. And now they're, you know, middle of the pack uh, in the league, um, which is a good thing, of course. Um, but it's tough. It's tough when you can't bring your kids together to have meetings. You can't, you know, give them hands-on instruction. Uh, it's tough when you're a school like Arizona where the weather and the environment is such a, a big drawing card and you can't bring kids to your campus to recruit. So difficult situation for them, but but a difficult situation for everybody. So they're hardly unique in that regard. We talked uh, last time you were on, and I said if there was a team that needed spring ball, Arizona was that team. Is there another one in the league that uh, would need it? Because uh, I think that Arizona's probably going to be picked near the bottom next year. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to win some games. Yeah, I would say a couple spring to mind, and those are the ones that have new coaches. Washington State is one. Um, I think they have pretty much an entirely new staff uh, up there. I don't know if it's all 11 coaches, but it's, it's close to it. And... Um, they, you know, barely got going before this thing happened. And an even worse, you know, or more difficult situation is Colorado because of how late everything um, happened. Everything happened with Carl Durrell coming in, uh, Mel Tucker leaving. When did that happen? That was like in February, right? It was after, mm-hmm. um, after the second signing day. So, I mean, they barely were up and running. The only you know, reason why they might be a little bit better off in Washington State is that is that he did end up retaining a handful uh, of the of the assistants from the previous regime. Um, so there's a little bit of continuity there. But you know, Arizona's in great shape, I think, compared to some of those other programs because at least you know the offense is all basically the same, mostly the same coaches. The defense, another story. Um, with uh, a whole new staff there. At least Paul Rhodes was able to come in in December um, and, and get to know some of the kids, whether in person or on the phone. Um, so I think there are some schools that are worse off uh, than Arizona because they had uh, more extensive changes within their coaching staff than, than the Wildcats. Have you been able to have any conversations to ask the coaching staff, you know, what's this going to look like when they come out of it? What are, you know, what are, you know, when camp starts, uh, is, is it going to look like fall camp or is it going to be a combination of, you know, spring, spring practice, you know, blending into fall camp? I mean, how, how is this going to work? Yeah, when I talked to Kevin Sumlin a few weeks ago, um, he was pretty optimistic that they were going to be okay. He felt like the fact that they got four practices in uh, put them in a better position than some other schools, which got none in before the shutdown happened. Um, so that was one thing. And he also, 
you know, cited the fact that he had been through, you know, some, some hurricane, bad weather situations in the past at Houston where they had to relocate their whole team uh, and the program's um, general manager, Dennis Polian, um, also had uh, been through a similar crisis when he was at Tulane and they were dealing with the fallout from Hurricane Katrina. Um, so that that's basically, you know, the two guys who are in charge of the operation having had some similar experiences, not quite the same, and understanding the importance of communication um, throughout um, you know, a, a deal like this. Um, they they felt like those experiences would help them. So uh, we'll have to see if they do, yeah, Michael. So this uh, might be a dated question, but uh, what will come of um, of Chuck Cecil now? I think he's basically in the same role that he was in before, as my understanding. He's did obviously did not get any of the assistant coaching positions. I don't know exactly why um, it went down that way. I believe he's still um, in the analyst role that he was in uh, before. Um, his feedback uh, is, is welcome uh, with, among the new coaches, is my understanding, um, just as it was with the old coaches. Um, he, he brings something to the staff, um, even if it's not in a full-time um, on-field capacity. Um, but as far as you know, him getting a defensive coordinator job, safety coach, that just didn't happen, um, and, and I don't know what exactly the reasons are. Right, um, right. No. That it went that way. I get it. I get it. Michael, thanks for joining us. Enjoy your uh, going back to work. <laughs> Have fun. I'm back. <laughs> like like Michael Jordan. Like Michael said, Jordan. Right. <laughs> when he came back from baseball, I'm back. You should have tweeted that yesterday or this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Lev, thanks a bunch. Appreciate thanks so much, it. Michael. Thank you, guys. That was Michael yeah. Lev from the Arizona Daily Star here on 1030 The Voice. Let's take a quick break. Let's talk a little about Michael Jordan on the other side. Okay. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm Steve Rivera, along with my co-host, Jay Gonzalez. That was good to talk to Michael Lev. So I sh- I'm sure uh, if I were a betting man, you'd be watching the the uh, Michael Jordan series. I have been watching it, and... Uh one reason was is to just kind of keep up with the conversation out there you know mm-hmm, I watch mm-hmm. I watch and listen to podcasts and talk talk shows and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Dan Patrick show and they talk about it all the time and um, I'm watching it because I want to be part of the conversation in addition I'm, I, uh, I'm on a on a text message string with a, a bunch of millennials and they're all <laughs> over it and so what do they say that he's not better than LeBron well they they debate it but but Mostly, you know, when when the show comes on, my phone starts blowing up. Uh, last week, not this, not yesterday, but last weekend, I wasn't able to to watch it at the time it was on. And by the time the first episode ended, there were eighty text messages on this thread. Uh-huh. So I just want to be part of the conversation. So that's one reason I watch. But I'm interested in it yeah. because that was, you know, that was a time that, uh, you know, I mean, I was I was around and you know I was paying attention to the NBA and Michael Jordan was everything, mm-hmm. and I. Think think we all realized what we were seeing as that was happening and uh so i, I i'm interested in what's happening plus you know with steve kerr's involved
involvement, Judd Bushler's involvement, um, Brian, I, Williams. I, in, Brian Williams. I've been interested to see, you know, what their role was uh, with those teams. Mm-hmm. I was there with him in '97, which was a lot of fun, and I did a feature on Brian Williams. And uh, I said, uh, I can't remember how exactly, but Brian Williams was kind of crazy. Uh, how was Michael Jordan? Says, well, he's the Black Jesus. That's right, the Black Jesus. And he even called himself that the other day. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you know, it, it's been it's been a really interesting watch because uh, because of the access. Right. You know, to yeah. see the behind the scenes stuff that we never get to see. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed watching that um, because, he, uh, you know, probably since then, you know, nobody's got that kind of access. Right. And so it, it, it's fun to see. I, I thought it was really interesting the couple, uh, couple of, a few episodes ago when the they were sitting in the trainer's room and Scotty Pippen and, and Jordan and, and I think... Uh, at the training table? Yeah, they were at the training table and they popped open some, some yes. Miller lights mm-hmm. and they were like, don't show this, but they showed it, you mm-hmm. know, and that type of stuff. Stuff. And it's so it's been interesting to watch. I've I've had fun watching it. Right, right. No, I've watched it for that reason and, and the Steve Kerr stuff. The, this last night's episode was a, a lot about Steve and the relationship, which of course you know you you know you probably played against a guy like him who tried to bully you, try to intimidate you, and the only way you're going to stand up is if you stand up. Right, you have to stand up. And you know what? It, it's it's an interesting lesson because you have to do that whether you're on a basketball court or in an office. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have bullies all over the place and. If, if you don't stand up for yourself, then, you know, you're, you're going to, you become a victim and mm-hmm. you don't want to do that. And I thought it was interesting because I've, I've heard and read so many accounts of it, but what I got was that Steve hit him first. You know, they, they were, they were, they were bumping each other and trash talking and what, In the original story that you heard or no, just what I, what I heard yesterday was that Steve punched Michael first in the chest and then Michael punched him in the eye and I hadn't heard that I thought it was I, I didn't know if I heard that but that that they were you know they were going at it they were pushing mm-hmm. each other and there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on and finally Steve got sick of it and either pushed him in the chest or punched him in, punched the, chest. Him in the chest I remember. and then Michael that's when Michael hit him in the eye so you know again it was Steve standing up for himself and then you know then they talk about how they got on the phone and they cleared the air Michael was upset mm-hmm. that he had done that and they cleared the air and there relationship you know healed and that that's what happened in those situations you know they were a couple of pros and they and they, they handled it that and you way. know it happens all the time in, in practices like that it happened at arizona a lot of course well you know yeah. but again you know I, I remember there was a god i can't remember his name mark georgeson no 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 there was a there was a kind of a a, a a three guy and i he had a kind of a strange name orlando vega no no and he 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 elbowed sean elliott in the eye and he oh. caught him and, and you don't do that. And, and he got he got in trouble for it. But then he did it again, and he was off the team. Who was so I can't 80, remember his what name. Years? This this would have been in the eighty five eighty six so time. So in Sean's freshman sophomore year, yeah. where you just don't elbow Sean Elliott in the eye. No, and wow. the second time he did it, I think he got suspended or even kicked off the team, and that was it. Yeah. It was it was game over. I hadn't heard that. And, I hadn't uh, heard I'll, that I'll have to look up the guy's name, but yeah. uh, but you know you, you you get these guys and they have. You know, they yes, they have protection, and you know, Sean wasn't a bully. He would just, yeah, you know, sure. just actually the other guy was the bully, and you know, he sure. kept well, trying, and then Sean's the best way. dude, so right. you're going to try to intimidate the best dude, sure, just to think, you know. But you know what? The funny thing about that whole incident was, just, I went after the smallest guy. <laughs> I, I loved it. He said he felt bad because he went after the smallest guy, you know. And I know Steve doesn't consider himself a, <clears throat> a weak guy or anything like that, mm-hmm. but. 
you know, he just said, I'm not going to take this anymore. Right. And he took on Michael Jordan, Michael freaking Jordan. Right, and I, right, right. I, to me, that is that just says a lot about Steve and, and, and his competitiveness and just why he is where he is now. No question, because he had to do it. He did it. And he said the relationship was better for it. Um there it is. We just got the name. Rolf Jacobs. Oh, I was just going to say. Rolf Jacobs. Yes. He elbowed Sean Elliott one more time in the eye, and he got he either got he got run. He either got suspended and then quit, or he got kicked off the team. But that was the guy. And, and you know, he was one of those tough guys, um, sort of an enforcer kind of guy, a Gene Edgerson kind of oh, guy. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, he took it a little too far in practice, and uh, and he got run from the team. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a few of those incidences I remember throughout the years because you're compete, you're competitors. And well, you are, you know, and and you're trying to make a way. You're trying mm-hmm. to make your way. You're trying to compete. You're, you're right, right. 1986 drop from the team. There you go. You know, you're, you're trying to make your way, and you know, you you want you're you're trying to catch somebody's eye, but you know, there's certain ways to do that and certain ways not to do that. But I I thought that was, I thought that was a really interesting part of the of the of the uh, episodes yesterday in that you know. For those of us in Tucson, we were really interested to see, you know, what happened with Steve Kerr. The other thing that they talked about at length was the whole, uh, the whole theory about the reason Jordan left for right. for a year and a half was because he really got suspended because of gambling. gambling. Right. And what I, you know, what I say to that is, I was a believer in that theory. But I didn't realize he came back towards the end of the, the second year. season. Right, right, right. So that tells me that if they would have suspended him, they would have suspended him for the whole year. Sure, sure. So And because baseball had gone on the strike. Right. And baseball had gone on strike and they let him come back at the end of the at the end of the ninety five season. Yeah. I thought he was out the entirety of the two seasons. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that the whole gambling thing really is not true because if he had been suspended, they wouldn't have sp- suspended him for a season and part of another. Right. They would have suspended him for two full seasons. No, but that and theory, they didn't. that theory was very, very apparent at our time. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. when you mixed in the de- the part that his dad was murdered, yeah. You know, and no, uh, was it was it a gambling thing and all that kind of stuff? It was just a couple of low lives that hijacked, you know, yeah. carjacked him and killed him, unfortunately. Right. right. But. I became a believer yesterday that all that all that scenario about the gambling stuff was, was for naught. Well, and, you, and you've been in the business. You've been in the business of the journalism business. You hear all kinds of stuff. Well, again, if uh, as as they say, even you know, mostly in relation to committing a crime, if more than one person knows it. It's getting out. Right, right. So the fact that... Very true. And David Stern made this comment, don't you think that if that's what happened, that it wouldn't be out by now? Of right. course it would. Yeah. Of course it would. So mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a real interesting an interesting piece of it. And again, you know what? So he gambled. Yeah. Again, as long as he wasn't gambling on basketball, I, I don't care if he was totally, playing $100,000 totally rounds of golf. If he's got it, he's got it. Right, right, right. I'm surprised... Uh, the one thing about Michael Jordan too is he's very sensitive, uh, very sensitive in his negative. And, and I say that because look at the Gary Payton. He he cracked up for the Gary Payton. Gary Payton was just thinking, well, this is what I did, and he was laughing at it. He was laughing. And at and, it. and today I heard like you know, if you told no to Michael Jordan, he would just like blow up and say, I'm going to prove you wrong. We all have that guy, and we have some of that in us, too. Right. Um, uh, but that's who you are. You're a competitive dude who's not going to be denied. He was, and you know, and it was it was interesting the way the, sec- the, the first episode yesterday ended, and he got at the end, and he was talking about how 
if you don't want to compete at right, the level right. that I'm going to compete, then I then right. I, I can't have you around. And he teared up and ended the interview because it meant that much to him. Right. All these years later, it still meant that much to him that he wanted right. guys to compete and care as much as he cared, and it bothered him when guys didn't. Right. And I thought, man, that again, that, that says just a lot about his level of competition. Well, that's why I asked Eddie the same kind of question. I mean, if you're at that level, guess what? You don't like to lose. Exactly. And you do anything not to lose. Even, you know, uh, the gente, the people that play against each other, and guess what? The last thing, I want to lose to you. Oh. And you don't want to lose to me. Exactly. You know, I don't want to lose on the golf course, even in the, even to your son. I, or I'm whatever. shooting a hundred on the golf course, and I still don't want to lose to to anybody. Right. Uh, you know, if if you if you you know, play recreational softball or basketball, I mean, I was a I was a, a city league basketball ref for one season. And, you know, watching these guys and how much they cared about this stuff. And some of these guys were like, come on, dude, you're, you're just not that good. So you just right, can't right, right. care that much. But they do. Right. And they compete. And it's something that means a lot to them. And and people compete like that all the time. I know I competed like that all the time. Yeah, I really too. did stop caring about how well I played unless I'm playing for money. But when I'm, when I'm talking about golf. But, you know, when I was playing you know, recreational softball, city league baseball. You play to win. I played to win and mm -hmm. I cared. And I played with guys who played to win and who cared. You know, Dick Tomey was one of the most competitive guys I ever saw on the, the baseball right, field. Right, right. I was just going to go there with you because, you know, we've covered some big time coaches. Uh, Nice guys, they are not. I mean, because if you're going to be a nice guy, you're not going to be a pretty good coach. I've always said that. And there's a, you're going to have a streak in you that that's going to give you the yeah. ability to mm -hmm. get on a guy who's not competing at the level that you expect. Right. And and I'm telling you, we saw that a couple of times playing city league weeknight baseball with Dick Tomey. Yeah. He you know there were a couple of times that he got on us and we were goofing around and laughing too loud in the dugout and not paying attention to the game. And he barked at us a couple of times like you know get in the game. Right, right. You right. know so. But don't you have a, a story? I don't know if we have enough time. Your son. There is a story. Um, my son who was probably five, six, seven years old during that time frame. He was pretty young. And uh, he would come to the games and sit in the dugout and he'd shag baseballs and he'd go, you know, he was our bat boy and all that. And uh, uh, Dick, Dick was... Dick was hitting, and he hit a hard comebacker to the pitcher. And those of you who know Dick, he was not very fast. He he was he was pretty slow. And you know he it was a hard comebacker to the pitcher, and he just turned and threw him out. Didn't didn't make him run up the line. Dick ran about halfway up the line and turned off and came to the dugout. And my son runs up to him. I mean, stands right up to him. Looks looks straight up at him and says. <laughs> You got to run that out. <laughs> and Dick looked at him and he was like, "You're right. I got to run that out." And and he respected the fact that my my little rugrat of a kid had run up to him and told him to run that out. The the dugout blew up laughing. I was going to say, it's yeah. been one of, it's been one of the great stories, but it was it was funny that Dick he didn't tell me to get my kid away from him. He was like, you're right. I need to run that out. I just set a bad example and I'll run it out next time. Right, right. Really funny story. No, I remember you telling me that story before. The funny thing too about the stuff, we only had like 40 seconds, if that, how much they allowed cussing on the shows. I, you know what? I think if they, 
sterilized it, it would it wouldn't have been as real as it's been. If you don't want to watch it, go hear that. Go to ESPN too. Right, right. I'm watching it on ESPN and I'm listening to the f bombs, and I think it's it makes it much more real. Yeah, no, it is. It's good. It's been good. It's sorry you're going to end next week. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Well, good show today, Jay. We'll have a good show tomorrow. Yep, we're going to have another one tomorrow. We're going to have uh, Bob Hoffman on from the uh, from the Tucson Roadrunners. Road Runners. Right, right. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.